This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. What's to stop the U.S. government from throwing the kill switch and shutting down phone and internet communications in a time of so-called crisis? After all, it's happening all over the world. Communications kill switches have become tyrannical tools of domination and oppression to stifle political dissent, shut down resistance, forestall election losses, reinforce military coups, and keep the populace isolated, disconnected, and in the dark, literally and figuratively. In an internet-connected age, killing the internet is tantamount to bringing everything, communications, commerce, travel, the power grid, to a standstill. In Myanmar, for example, the internet shutdown came on a day a newly elected government was to have been sworn in. That's when the military staged a digital coup and seized power. Under cover of a communications blackout that cut off the populace from the outside world and each other, the junta carried out nightly raids, smashing down doors to drag out high-profile politicians, activists, and celebrities. These government-imposed communications shutdowns serve to not only isolate, terrorize, and control the populace, but also underscore the citizenry's lack of freedom in the face of the government's limitless power. Yet, as University of California Irvine law professor David Kay explains, these kill switches are no longer exclusive to despotic regimes. They have, as Kay says, migrated into a toolbox for governments that actually do have the rule of law. End of quote. This is what digital authoritarianism looks like in a technological age. Digital authoritarianism, as the Center for Strategic and International Studies cautions, involves the use of information technology to surveil, repress, and manipulate the populace, endangering human rights and civil liberties, and co-opting and corrupting the foundational principles of democratic and open societies, including freedom of movement, the right to speak freely and express political dissent, and the right to personal privacy online and off. For those who insist that it can't happen here, it can, folks, and it has. In 2005, cell phone service was disabled in four major New York tunnels reportedly to avert potential bomb detonations via cell phone. In 2009, those attending President Obama's inauguration had their cell signals blocked. Again, same rationale. And in 2011, San Francisco commuters had their cell phone signals shut down, this time to thwart any possible protest over a police shooting of a homeless man. With shutdowns becoming harder to detect, who's to say it's not still happening? Although an internet kill switch is broadly understood to be a complete internet shutdown, it can also include a broad range of restrictions such as content blocking, throttling, filtering, complete shutdowns, and cable cutting. As Global Risk Intel explains, and I'm quoting here, Content blocking is a relatively moderate method that blocks access to a list of selected websites or applications. When users access their sites and apps, they receive notifications that the server could not be found or that access was denied by the network administrator. A more subtle method is throttling. Authorities decrease the bandwidth to slow down the speed at which specific websites can be accessed. A slow internet connection discourages users to connect to certain websites and does not arouse immediate suspicion. Users may assume that connection service is slow, but may not conclude that this circumstance was authorized by the government. Filtering is another tool to censor targeted content and erases specific messages and terms that the government does not approve of. End of quote. So, how often do most people experiencing server errors and slow down internet speeds chalk it up to poor service? 
Who would suspect the government of being behind server errors and slow internet speeds? Then again, this is the same government that has subjected us to all manner of encroachments on our freedoms. Lockdowns, mandates, restrictions, contact tracing programs, heightened surveillance, censorship, overcriminalization, shadow banning, and so on and so on, in order to fight the COVID-19 pandemic, preserve the integrity of elections, and combat disinformation. These tactics have become the tools of domination and oppression in an internet-dependent age. It really doesn't matter what the justifications are for such lockdowns. No matter the rationale, the end result is the same, an expansion of government power in direct proportion to the government's oppression of the citizenry, we the people. In this age of manufactured crises, emergency powers, and techno-fascism, the government already has the know-how, the technology, and the authority. Now all it needs is the right crisis to flip the kill switch. This particular kill switch can be traced back to the Communications Act of 1934. Signed into law by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the act empowers the president to suspend wireless radio and phone services if he deems it necessary in the interest of national security or defense. During a time of war or threat of war or a state of public peril or disaster or other national emergency or in order to preserve the neutrality of the United States. That's what the law sums up. That national emergency can take any form, can be manipulated for any purpose, and can be used to justify any end goal, all on the say-so of the president. Given the government's penchant for weaponizing one national crisis after another in order to expand its powers and justify all manner of government tyranny, in the so-called name of national security, it's only a matter of time before this particular emergency power to shut down the Internet is activated. Then again, an all-out communications blackout is just a more extreme version of the techno-censorship that we've already been experiencing at the hands of the government and its corporate allies. In fact, these tactics are at the heart of several critical cases before the U.S. Supreme Court over who gets to control, regulate, or remove what content is shared on the Internet, the individual, corporate censors, or the police state. Nothing good can come from techno-censorship. As I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, the War on the American People, and in its fictional counterpart, the Eric Blair Diaries, these censors are laying the groundwork to preempt any so-called dangerous ideas that might challenge the power elite stranglehold over our lives. Whatever powers you allow the government's corporate operatives to claim now, whatever the reason might be, will at some point in the future be abused and used against you by tyrants of your own making. By the time you add AI technologies, social credit systems, and wall-to-wall surveillance into the mix, you don't even have to be a critic of the government to get snared in the web of digital censorship. Eventually, as the great author George Orwell predicted, telling the truth will become a revolutionary act. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. 
Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.